0: Welcome to Writing the Wrong Way. Uh, I'm talking to Linda Redchenka and Stephen Call of the Laundryman fame. Uh, tell us a little bit about who you are and what is the Laundryman.
1: I'm Stephen Call. I'm the uh, I'm the illustrator for Laundryman. I do all the pencils, colors, and inks. And uh, Laundryman's our new book. And it's a hell of a ride. It's an awesome book. I'll, uh, I'll leave it to Linda. I'll, I'll, you can go more detail there.
2: <laughs> My name is Linda Redchenka. I'm a writer and a letterer. Uh, Laundromen is the tale of two mercenary monster hunters who work and operate out of a laundromat. And the book that we're here to talk about today is kickstarting, book one of the series.
0: So tell us a bit more about the series that you have planned and about the story.
1: All right. Well, the story focuses around two characters, two main characters, Brian and Wade. Like Lyndon said, they're two guys that work out of their laundromat and solve supernatural crimes and mysteries uh, around the country, the era, wherever they go. And uh, the series right now, so book one, is the first of what we hope is many. And it's a it's a great story about these two guys going back to where one of them came from and
0: stumbling upon what amounts to be a very deep problem for, for, for one of them, for sure. And can you talk a bit more about the origins of this idea and where you actually you know, came up with it from and why it caught you and was the thing you wanted to work on.
2: Yeah, the origin story actually came from Stephen, who it did. Yeah, you yeah. came up with the idea of these two men who sort of solved crimes under uh, under the radar of the government, um, and it spiraled out from there.
1: Yeah, we wanted to when I, when I brought it up, I loved the idea. Well, we're from Winni- we're, we're we're from, from Winnipeg. Winnipeg. Uh, <laughs> I forgot about that for a second there. And we're from Winnipeg? Yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, and, and I, what I really wanted to do was, I was thinking about what, what a cool story would be in, like, um, our city, and then it kind of went out from there, and I thought of doing, I thought we could do a really cool story that was almost decade ambiguous and was really about black suits and cigarettes and solving crimes. So
0: Yeah, to me, like, the touchstones that it immediately made me think of when I kind of started to see what you're Doing uh, was you know the X Files with you know that's something I grew up on where it had this team. It's a very different set of characters. It's a different concept in a lot of ways, um, but it has that vibe of like Monster of the Week uh, possibility. Um, these partners who you know don't always see an eye necessarily. This sort of shadowy you know conspiracy potential. You don't really get into that in this particular story that you're. Uh, kickstarting, but it has to me that touchstone. Can you talk to me a bit about like some of the other touchstones? Like if, if people like X, will you know if they li- they like Laundryman? If they like what?
2: So we uh, we often describe the Laundryman as X Files meets Ghostbusters with some supernatural. And this is a book that when we started developing it, you know the we're kickstarting the first three issues as a single trade, and. We have been working on it for so long that we actually finished issue one quite some time ago, and we printed a hundred copies of that book, and we brought them to shows with us through 2022. Um, and I believe you actually have an issue yourself.
0: Yeah, holding one in my hand here, issue number five of a limited pressing, convention exclusive. These are now these are black and white. But the issue that you're doing is that going to be color? Is it going to be black and white? How's that going to work?
2: So the campaign that we're running. Um, our ask is to be able to print the book in black and white. However, if the stretch goals go far enough, we have full intention of printing it in color. The book is finished and it's ready to be printed in both black and white or color. So as soon as the campaign is over, we'll be able to send this book off to the printer.
1: It looks amazing in black and white, but if you can see those colors, you'll be like, oh my God, it looks even more amazing. Yeah.
2: So it's really the, the next step up we made this decision because of the difficulties uh, in the world right now in between the paper shortage and, and fuel prices and shipping. We've been sitting on this project for long enough that we're ready to get it out in the world. And we're, we're confident in the strength of this story in black and white that we are prepared to print it that way. It looks amazing. We're so proud of it. And get it out into people's hands rather than have to wait until um, those costs come down. Or we ask for a Kickstarter goal that's four times this size.
0: And as you say, like when you did the one issue as a convention exclusive in a really short run, I mean that's in black and white. You know that that you sold out of that quite quickly. Three shows. Know.
2: We sold Keep, out of that in three shows. Yes, people it, loved it. Yeah.
0: People love it. It's not just that you know you're saying it looks good. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> like in black and white. Yeah. It does actually look good in black and white. But as you know, like I, I mean, I read. Uh, the digital version that's in color so I know you guys are done it yeah. and done the colors as well uh, so you, as you say you're ready to do it either way but you're going to put color as a stretch goal on the Kickstarter then yes. if I understand correctly yes
1: in fact people were actually like surprised when they saw the black and white we told them that color exists for it a lot of people were like no I like it in black and white And it so doesn't need it it doesn't need it so yeah. that, I think that's where the confidence came from that I think people would really enjoy it in black and white and we can actually get it out there that way
0: and then can you talk a bit more about the actual logistics of how that Kickstarter is set up then?
2: Yeah. So um, we're going to be selling full copies of this 80-page book. Um, We have some sketched copies available. And then as you work your way up the tiers, uh, there's a collection that will get you all of our work that we've worked on together, which includes Infinite Universe, uh, What Will Not Last, Dead Work,
1: and our short comic, uh, When I Get Home. There's another tier as you get further up, that's gonna have me do a commission for you, whatever you'd like, and uh, I'll take a look at it and make an amazing page for you. We've got another uh, the couple me- pe- The mega tier. The mega tier. Yeah. Uh, that's the one that comes with original art. It comes with original
2: art. Yeah. Right now we have one original piece from Zach Schuster, and we hope to add more original pieces as the campaign progresses.
0: Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And just to be clear, when you say it's you know an 80 pages book, but it has three issues, um you're talking about three issues that tell one complete story arc so this isn't like three different stories this is a complete you know it's effectively a graphic novel broken down into three chapters you've exactly. got like that scope of a long and engrossing story but then there's like you know the series potential to continue with these characters and so on later on so this is you know you're you're conceptually seeing this as a mm-hmm. as a running series in a manner of speaking but this is a complete story, you know, it's not going to break halfway through it, you know, they got to wait for the rest of it later, you know, it's all complete, it's, you know, a single continued story, and can you talk a bit more about just that particular story, like, what is happening in this, uh, these three chapters, this, you know, first graphic novel of The Longer? Well, this
1: is a, a story that it, it's really you're the reader's first foray into these characters. Um, but it really starts off when they're well into their work. They're running their small business, their they're front, if you say. And uh, it's very clear that they have a lot of experience and, and a lot of work into this job. Um, but we're coming into a story that uh, uh, one of our main characters, Brian, is, is, a lot, is very close to. And it takes them to his hometown. And involves people he knows, but that town seems to be in sort of a different state than he left it. and there's you know a lot of suspicion around and what seems to be um, I don't know how much detail something something they're investigating
2: t- yeah. a murder. Yeah,
1: yeah that, there you it, go. Yeah, that's occurred in that town.
0: Yeah. Sure. but then you know it's a mysterious murder. I mean this is a this is a you kind of mentioned it or suggested when you talk about. Uh, when you compare X-Files and Supernatural and and things, Ghostbusters, like there's a supernatural like uh, sci-fi horror, like aspect in The Lunderman. There's of course this kind of crime uh, detective sort of aspect and that kind of almost thriller, you know, mystery structure uh, to some degree. Mm -hmm. Uh, Like it's, 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 you know, blending genres in a certain sense, but it's kind of, you know, like rooted in that kind of recognizable genre that you know, X Files, Supernatural, Ghostbusters. These these things are rooted in. Although it's less maybe funny than Ghostbusters, but you got some moments of humor in there too. Like these these are characters that really have a familiarity and, and ease with one another. That's, and, and that's a close relationship.
1: Yeah, that's definitely something we we wanted to be a, a main focus of the story. Is like, Lyndon's. Pretty good, of, pretty, pretty damn good at writing dialogue, and we wanted the dialogue between the two characters to be a star of the of the book. So there's a lot of scenes where they're just driving and they're talking, and it's giving the reader insight into those characters and tools to hopefully use to solve the mystery later, uh, as well as just understanding how these characters might react, um, you know, near the end of the book and and uh, the decisions they might
2: make. So it's really the relationship of these characters that ties the series together. Uh, The way we structure the series is that every three issues is a a case, a closed case file. And so even though each book may have a different storyline to it, the consistency between those books is these two characters and their relationship to one another and how that changes and is challenged and they push each other and challenge each other through those consecutive stories. And so it was really important in the first set of issues that we really establish who these characters are to each other, as well as how they fit into the, uh, the larger world around them.
1: And that's where that touchstone you mentioned earlier, Monster <clears throat> of the Week, comes in. It's where we can keep the fun changing and we can keep the magic and the supernatural and the horror, and we can keep cycling all that in, but meanwhile continually building these characters and,
0: and pushing them forward, much like X-Files might or something like that. Can you talk a bit about both the process and the challenges of actually kicking off a series and designing a first issue, a uh, first arc in this sort of way? Man, I don't know. I don't know
1: what kind of details I have for that. Well, like, how did you come you? up with the characters? I was going to say, well, yeah, well, yeah what, what, character what?
0: design is something you got to establish. Yeah, as simple. I mean, right. then as, as a writer, you got to establish whose people are, how they speak where am i going to introduce them how am i going to introduce them there's even just simple practical things like i got to get the reader to know their names yeah. like and then you as an artist have got all sorts of challenges in terms of figuring out like okay how do i immediately make this person recognizable how do i come up with a design i want to draw over and over again yeah. uh, like i'm just curious if you could talk a bit about some of the things that went into or maybe challenged you or surprised you as you were working on just establishing this uh series this character this story
1: yeah one of the challenges you come up against as, as an illustrator uh, when it comes to designing your characters and I don't spend a lot of time in the in the concept area I like to like build my characters as I go um, and something I do and something that may have been a little challenging in this book is caring for the details uh, so we talk about the the book being based on like the dialogue and like the building of the backstories of these characters but I also have to build a visual backstory for these characters, so uh, it really comes down to like how they look, like telltale scars, you know, sunken cheeks, the way they act, their body language, and that's all very important. And I have to build on that as I go and, and, and really carry those things through. So I think that's definitely one of the <clears throat> sorry one of the challenges that comes through with creating these characters is making sure they're consistent and growing visually um, as we as we progress to the story. so.
2: And for me, I find it really important <clears throat> to set the world up for the characters so that the reader understands what book it is that they're going to be reading, what series they're signing up for for the foreseeable future. And so there's a lot of consideration that uh, I put into, and Stephen and I have conversations about you know, what's going on in the background, what sort of elements do we want to revisit later in the story that maybe we can start talking about here. Something... What can we put into this story that's going to make it feel lived in and not something that we're doing by the seat of our pants, even when we're sometimes doing it by the seat of our pants. And so there's a, a lot of weight that goes into that first issue and that first book because it's what you need to set up to bring people back. And you really want to make sure that the reader understands the priorities of the story you're telling and what it is you're trying to convey and, you know, enjoying the character you know enjoying the characters for who they are even if they don't always like who they are
1: yeah visually it's it's for example something would be like uh the technology uh in the in the story like they you know they use their guns they use their cigarette lighters and that's mostly what they use in this first book but when we're in their office or we're in their lab like i i've drawn objects all around the place that they, you know, we don't even touch on, but might be useful later in the story and also to establish the ethos of how how they've built themselves and, and it really adds to who they are what their business is. And,
0: yeah. I always have, like myself, I know I'm always thinking about setups and payoffs. Like, when am I setting something up and when am I paying it off? And to me, there's always this weird alchemy or balance or mathematics. You're sort of instinctively, perhaps, or maybe analytically but you're always kind of doing this thing of like okay I got to set things up for the issue two and issue one but I also got to have things happen in issue one and not just a bunch of unanswered questions that like you kind of have to almost make promises to the reader and then fulfill some promises mm-hmm. and get them to trust that you will fulfill the unfulfilled promises later <laughs> and not just string them along you know like there's a lot of pacing that goes into it like I feel personally that so much of writing a story has to do with pacing and with like uh keeping promises Mm -hmm. um while on a certain level pulling people along and not giving them everything they want but kind of making them want things and there's, there's a real back and forth so i'm i'm always curious when people are getting a first issue together especially So you've got, you know, again, you've got three issues that are kind of coming together as a first case, as you say. Yeah. Uh, So I'm curious to know, like, what went into kind of putting this first issue together versus, like, the overall case. Like, in what ways do you think this case is the best case to open the series with versus, say, some of the other ideas you probably have for later cases?
1: I think what was important with this first story is keeping the, the first case really contained so we can build everything around it, which will allow us to go forward. So this case takes place in a small town. There's not many people left in this town. It really focuses on what amounts to be about four characters, and a really kind of uh, hidden villain in a lot of cases, or a lot of situations in the book. Uh, That way we could spend a lot more time with these characters, and allow the reader to learn about them. While we can still string this case along, and really have a satisfying ending. Um, I think we felt that was very important. Yeah, it was yeah. really
2: important to me, as Steven said, to keep the first case grounded, because it lets you focus in on the characters and the character relationships rather than being sidetracked by, you know, action set pieces and bombast and really high-level mystery. Um, this is a straight sort of no, almost noir-esque horror. Um, mystery that these two men are trying to solve and the three issues gave us enough time to really show the reader who they were and how they operate
1: and the setup in these in this in this first book the, the amount of work we put into these characters is is what's going to allow us in future books to make future like big set pieces big action set pieces
0: pay off and feel satisfying because they'll feel earned by the characters that our readers already know that really hits close to home for me because i was just in a situation of developing my own sort of fish issue for a series and you know i literally like went through i put the issue together i scripted it out and then i threw it away (laughs) because it was just i was it was just plot 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 you know there as you say i wasn't spending i needed to have it more bounded and less stuff happening and less time jumps and just like spend more time with those characters like you know because in in many ways why a reader wants to come back for another story with the character is because they like those characters like they want yeah maybe there's just an applaud but like the, the characters they want to spend time with the characters and so uh i mean so for myself like i know i was it was frustrating <laughs> to just be throwing the work away and starting again um but you know i think it paid off it it made sense I'm curious to know, like, when you were developing this series, like, where, did you have walls like that that you hit where you, you know, things weren't working, you had to go back to the drawing board, or was it, did it kind of flow pretty well because you guys are also bouncing off one another? Like, I'm just, you know, by myself, and it's Take Good question for you.
2: I think there's definitely a benefit to having us be able to story break together, mm-hmm. um, and when I know when I was looking at the shape of the story overall... Uh, I knew that the first few pages of the first issue and obviously the last few pages of the first issue are really important for hooking a reader and having them come back. So if you look at sort of the arcs between the three issues, and it's true in the first issue as much as it's true in the third issue, we start at the top of the arc, which is the action, and then we coast down while we do a whole bunch of setup, and then towards the end of the issue, we start to ramp back up again. And then at the peak of that arc, That's where the issue ends and that's where we move on into the second issue. And I think that that's something that largely goes through the entire story um, right up to the third issue where we maybe move that second arc slightly forward in the story so that we have a little bit of a a cool down before the end of the book. So I found that uh, when I look at structuring a story, it's really important to look at where the reader might be coming in and out and what is going to keep the points that are going to keep them reading. So as you said, it's really important to set up some promises early that pay off at some point and uh, eventually have some of those promises maybe stretch out into, you know, further books. I know for us, one of the first action sequences in that series, we don't elaborate on until book two, which we hope we'll be making next year.
0: Can you talk more about your actual plans for the future of The Laundrymen?
2: Yeah, so right now we're currently working on issues four, five, and six, which will be book two. The script for that is almost totally complete, and Stephen is in the very early stages of art. Uh, After that, we will be developing book three. We have the resources to work on that, so you can be sure that there will be at least nine issues of The Laundryman* being produced, and our hope is that with this Kickstarter, the, enough people will support us and enjoy the work that they'll be willing to come back for the next episode and the episode after and the dream I think is that every year or so mm-hmm. we can put out a new book of the Laundrymen and continue their adventures until people are sick about hearing about them at which point we already know what the ending is uh, it's a concept still it's not a hard line ending but we know how, the se- how we want the series to end and it really is now a point of creating the journey to get there.
0: Mm-hmm. Can you tell a bit more about your actual um, working relationship and kind of how you guys know one another and how your uh, like comics life has developed, evolved. changed, yeah. evolved? Go ahead.
1: Uh, we we met what uh, seven years ago? Eight years ago? It's longer than that? So, yeah. it's more than a decade now? Yeah, it's got. Yeah, we were bartenders together at a local restaurant. Um, and we just got to talking, became good friends behind the bar. Had a mutual love for comics and superheroes and, and big, colorful books.
2: And uh, we used to joke that between the bartenders behind the bar, we had enough degrees to create any visual medium. Yeah, because exactly. you had a fine arts degree, another guy had
1: his film degree, I had a writing degree, and we were all bartenders. That's what yeah. we were doing. And then uh, one day we. Uh, you know, San Diego Comic Con was coming around, and we realized as bartenders we were doing well enough to afford a trip to go out there. And uh, so the two of us decided to head out and um, enjoyed our first San Diego Comic Con back in 2015. And as we were walking around that show floor, we just kept we got to talking, and we were like, we we're like, we could do this. We should make a comic. We should make a comic. We should totally make a comic. <laughs> and yeah, and that was really the the origin of the of the of the working team that we are. But I think, uh, you know, a lot of people ask, like, how do you find an artist? How do you find a writer? And I think what's really important is to have a relationship before you start trying to do that kind of work with each other, build that trust. At least a full book. Yeah, I always like to say that if
2: you're going to work with a new artist, you should work on something short with them Mm -hmm. to make sure you don't absolutely hate working with
1: them. Mm -hmm. And I think, but coming into it as friends, uh, good friends before actually going and doing a full book we, we i don't know we had a kind of uh, like a background language that allows us to really bounce off of each other we had a lot of experience thinking of ideas together um that really allowed us to build multiple stories that we we, we have under our belts now so
2: on a mutual respect that allowed us to push back on the other person when we didn't like something or you yeah. didn't like an idea yeah um we do still go back and forth and say you know i don't think this is working properly yeah. i think that you should try this instead
0: yeah. not enough panels on that page or something like that who says that <laughs> how do you handle that kind of moment though when you guys do disagree on something like uh, well when precisely
1: it, when it's me the artist uh, i have a habit of of not telling him i disagree on something and they just showing him the page and being like it's done um, he makes a unilateral decision <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah i get a final say on panels um but uh, I don't know. We don't disagree often. Um, I would say, but it's. I think it still comes back to having that 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 strong like long friendship that we've had, where having mutual respect and, and just taking each other's criticisms or, or choices um, uh, broadly and 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 trying to look at them from from that person's perspective, just allows us to make all these good decisions yeah I think
2: there's a lot of um, value in that typically Stephen and I agree on the emotional core of a story we are on this we start on the same page in that sense and then it really just becomes a discussion of what is the best way to achieve that goal what is the best way to really tap into that core and so you know I think as a writer it's really important not to be married to my script not to be a real hard nose um, when it comes to changes. So when Steven suggests that something isn't hitting properly, I, it's my job to critically look at that decision that I've made in the script and try and see if he's right or if he's wrong. And mm-hmm. if I agree, then it's no problem at all. And I might be wrong. You know? And it's important that I communicate that. Yeah. Um, and if I don't agree, it's important that I communicate why. But we've been very fortunate to this point where all the projects we work on, we both understand um, what that core is and we know not to stray from it. And that has really allowed us to avoid any major conflicts. Because I think when both people understand what the story is really about, it's a lot easier to come up with solutions without having to run through too many conflicts.
1: And honesty matters. If if there is a conflict or if there's a problem that one the illustrator has with the writer's work or something like that it's a matter of just saying it and discussing it like what's wrong with the conversation yeah
0: can you talk a bit more about that those other comics you've done together because i understand some of these older works are going to be as you say available as add-ons or in different tiers in this kickstarter so can you talk a bit more about like if people were to you know add on infinite universe what exactly are they getting Or, or or some of these other older projects that are involved Okay, well, yeah, so we do
1: have some add-ons in the Kickstarter, and those include our previous works. Um, first one being our very first book, I don't know if you can see it, it might be blurry, uh, but is Infinite Universe. That one was first printed in 2018, yep. yeah, 2018. and it's a classic hard sci-fi story about uh, five enhanced humans that are enhanced for space travel. And they've been sent off into into the universe to find a new planet for humans because Earth is dying. And it's a classic storyline. It's a classic kind of trope in sci-fi. But that was kind of the intention, was to take something tried and true and put our spin on it. Um, And it's a story of them finding the planet, uh, learning that it supports life, but then subsequently learning that it's already supporting life. So in that sense, it becomes a morality
2: tale of what do humans do when they need find this planet to survive uh but they realize that that planet is already occupied and then it becomes a question of do humans deserve a second chance if they've already ruined their first one and so that was a lot of fun that was our first book we self-published it as steven said in 2018 it was subsequently republished in 2020 by a, a small local publisher and uh our second book that you can add on or that will be part of the collection is uh what will not last which is an anthology collection that Steven featured in as an artist and did an epilogue story to Infinite Universe. Now, it also has the distinction of including three other artists uh, Chris Smith, who worked on The Watcher, Gre- uh, Gregory Kamichuk, GMB Kamichuk, who worked on The Light Under the Door, and Zach Schuster, who worked on Hero Man, which it will actually become a larger book in itself next year. So, that book serves as a great preview for. Our upcoming project in that also uh, the third book included
1: is dead work and what is dead work dead work is an awesome book it's an anthology series it's an anthology book that we created with uh, seven other creators including Jonathan ball dr. Jonathan ball it's uh, it's a it's man it's a great anthology of uh, 22 different stories um, all written and co-mingled with all different writers and illustrators and we've all just kind of worked together to create uh, a series of stories that when put in order, in the order that they're in, it really comes, they really feel like they're made of the same stuff. What what would you say? Yeah, I would say we
2: describe it as the charcuterie board of comics, which is uh, a mix of sci-fi and horror and fantasy and altogether undefined genres of comics, Um, but because we as creatives all value a lot of the same things in storytelling. When you put them next to each other, it feels like they just they just work. They just work. Yeah. Yeah. So and the fourth book in the collection is actually our most recent. It's called When I Get Home. And it is a 20-page black and white comic about two men who crash land um into the caves of a moon on their journey home and they have to find their way out and the horrors that await them in that cave. And the amazing story of that comic is that Steven completed the art as part of 24-hour Comics Day, uh, which anyone who has made art before knows how insane doing 20 pages of art in 24 hours is. It was insane. Uh,
1: that was a great day, or was it a bad day? I'm not 100 sure. <laughs> it's a bit of a blur. Yeah, I don't quite remember it. But uh, yeah, I, I was. There was that book. There's a point of pride with that book because yeah, we we really finished it. We had a small amount of it created beforehand, but we. Com- we finished the ninety-eight percent of it in twenty-four hours overnight without sleeping, and uh, really proved to ourselves that that's, that's something we can do. Like, it, it, and it, it is a just a great little story that is product of just just, just grinding away overnight. It was it was awesome. Yeah.
0: Now. Am I incorrect, or isn't that comic also free digitally on your website right now?
1: It's true, yeah. On our
2: website, which is infinitestudio.ca, you can get a digital copy of this version for free when you sign up. And uh, we would love to get it in more people's hands, but part of the, uh, the love of comics for us is also to be able to, uh, to uh, make it available as a physical copy, which we also have available for purchase on our website. That's infinitestudio.ca
0: and you also have another comic series coming out and coming up right uh there was another life can you tell us a little bit about that is that part of this in any way shape or form or did you sell out of those issues
2: no we have a handful of copies of there was another life issue one um it's a convention exclusive that we will be taking with us to shows uh through 2023 until the uh, book hits news or hits comic stores and uh, bookstores worldwide towards the end of 2023 but the cover that we have available at our booth is going to be available only with us. So there'll be a separate cover that is available worldwide um, through Sourcepoint Press, who is the publisher that's picked up the series.
0: And is that also available as an add-on in the Kickstarter? In any way? It is not. No, it's not. It's so a convention exclusive. Come find you ne- at conventions. Yeah. Yeah. The
1: next official time you can purchase that cover for that issue is Calgary Expo this year
0: sure and then can you talk just a little bit more in summary about what should we expect from this kickstarter that you haven't already discussed you know are there any surprises any other things you know to look forward to other than our color stretch goal here and can you talk a bit about the actual days of this kickstarter people are listening to this uh, today you know in their world Uh, if it's the past present or future you know what should they be doing where should they be going to support the Kickstarter or to try to get the book after the Kickstarter is over.
2: So starting on February 3rd, our Kickstarter is going live on Laundrymen.ca and it's going to go straight through to March 3rd. You can go there to pick up the book. After the campaign has closed, assuming that it is successful, uh, Laundrymen.ca will redirect them to our website where they will be able to either pre-order the book if it hasn't been printed yet or order the book uh, if it has been printed. And what's awesome about this campaign is that we have a number of stretch goals and surprise stretch goals mm-hmm. coming up, uh, including some amazing guest art. Uh, we'd like to foil the foil treatment, the title page. We're going to add a six-page comic to it. We're going to thicken the cardstock, really depending on the levels of success that the campaign achieves. We're we're still hoping to get some, or to reveal some uh, amazing. Pull quotes or support from from readers. Now that the book is finished, we've been able to send it out to people. And uh, we're really hoping to be pleasantly surprised by the success of the book.
0: Looking yes. forward to that. Yeah. yeah. Hopefully. <laughs> so your Kickstarter is kicking off February 3rd, you say? February 3rd at Laundrymen.ca. And it runs until? March 3rd. So if it's before February third when you're listening to this, go to laundrymen.ca and sign up to be notified when the campaign starts. If it's after February third but you know before the campaign's over, support the book at laundrymen.ca. If the campaign is closed by the time you hear this, you can still go to I and uh, either pre-order or pick up a printed book. Correct. So laundrymen.ca is the end-all be-all uh, for laundrymen. Yep, where to go. In fact,
2: if the book is successful and you're listening to this podcast far in the future, Laundryman.ca might just take you to the current uh, Kickstarter for a future book.
0: Well, uh, I'm excited for my Laundryman.ca. I've already got issue one and I'll definitely be supporting your Kickstarter here. And uh, congratulations on the success so far and success for the future. Um, Any last
2: words? Go to Laundryman.ca. Back the Kickstarter.
1: Yeah, there's this website,
0: Laundryman.ca. Head on down.
2: February 3rd to March 3rd. Laundryman.ca.
0: Is this Laundryman.ca that you're talking about? Laundryman.ca. That legendary website, Laundryman.ca. Thanks for talking to me and keep writing the wrong way.